funny story. So my route to work, I used to live um, about 10 or 11k from work. So I would cycle because it wasn't that bad. It was much faster than getting a bus. And it used to take me past James's gate every morning. And I swear I got drunk off the smell of the processing Guinness every morning. So I would be half cut getting to work every day. You're like, how is you? How is getting on, you well? Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. This podcast is sponsored by the World Energy and Meteorology Council, or WEMSI for short. WEMSI is an international organisation focused on weather and climate data to support energy transition, and we also work with educators. WEMSI have created TEAL, an easy-to-use, free visualisation tool that enables you to explore climate variables for the past 70-plus years. Get started at tealtool.earth. Find us at WEMCouncil.org and follow us on Twitter at WEMCouncil. Hi, everybody. Okay, I confess, I've been aiming to get one celebrity per season, right? One person of note worthy of their own Wikipedia entry. Uh, It's been a challenge this time around, so I'm going to redefine the term celebrity on my terms to include YouTubers. With that in mind, let me introduce you, Mr. Sean Ferrick. Hi, Sean. Hi, Kit. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so not a celebrity. I just want to throw that out there by any means. Um, And I think if I ever had a Wikipedia page, it would be a dark, dark place. (laughs) Would you be would you be the one who would be like nefariously editing in things or taking out the nefarious entries? Where would you be on that fence? Oh, I think it would depend on the day. Like, you know, of a Monday, you know, depending on how my mood is, it's like, you know, this man is responsible for it. And then the Tuesday, it's just like, hey, it's Trek Tuesday. Everyone's having fun. Everything's great. (laughs) So Sean is just a slight Star Trek addict who is trying day by day to make a world a better place. And even if that means just sharing a kind word here or there, Uh, he is a content creator uh, based primarily with Trek culture, bringing news, reviews and behind the scenes information on Star Trek to the masses. And Sean is also a writer and an avid fan of model collecting, which we can see quite nicely behind you on that shelf. But before you say anything about this model, Sean, we, we talked about it before we start recording. But please, please, please describe to everybody the way you've soundproofed your room. Oh, my God. So I have so many like foam pads on this room <laughs> yeah. that if I was if I was ever to choose to murder somebody, I'm in the perfect room for it. For legal reasons, I will never choose to murder somebody. Yeah. Disclaimer. But if I needed to, I have the perfect location for it because I went slightly overboard when it came to soundproofing this room. Um, like, do you know what it reminds me of? This I'm going to go old for a minute. The, the song 2 by Blur. Oh, the music one of my video favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Right. And he's jumping all around the place yeah. and he's this carpet everywhere. That's what I feel like when I'm in this room. Oh, woohoo. Oh, I could just hear that now pumping in my head. Yeah. The way that, because the music video is just so epic. Yeah. So every time the chorus kicks in, it's like just, yeah. I don't know how they did it, but whether it's wires or something like that or just a giant blast of air or something, but they just like bounce off the sides of the walls and everything. And it's still, while they're still playing the guitar and everything, it's just like, and um, folks. The song is 
it's a myth that the song is exactly two minutes long. It's actually two minutes and one seconds long. So <sighs> whenever it's been on albums and stuff like that, they've accidentally cropped it to 201, which should be exactly <laughs> two minutes. That's a, that's a, a fact that no one knows about. So. I did not know that fact, but that is, that's proper like trivia. Like I, yeah. that is now committed to memory. Because someone's going to ask me that and I'm going to be like, you know, what's the great thing about this song? It's two minutes and one. Quickly, well, delete this from the recording so nobody else knows. So we'll always win that round. Well, this, this could be me, everybody. Because I had, I had the, um, back in the day when I had CDs, you know, if you don't know what they are, you know, you youngsters, please do look them up. Please use your um, interwebs to look them up. Um, but when I had the blur, I had it on single and I had it on um, their album and it always went to 201 and that'd be with me with my OCD. It always went like, ah, no. It's like, I just, every time I'd look at that count, it's please flick over it too. But um, yeah, they, they missed a beat there. But I think uh, somebody out there is going to say, no, 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 Kit, you maybe just had a defective CD because mine starts at two. So uh, anyway, this is such a, such a random thing we just went on to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's great about coffee and geography is that it is a chat over some coffee. What are you drinking then? <laughs> so I am having a very nicely standard uh, instant coffee with far more sugar than I'm going to admit <laughs> to having here. Uh, and I'm, going, I'm having it out of my TARDIS mug mm. because I am on top of being a Trekkie. I'm also an avid Hoovian. Yes. Yes. So is it, is it, is it bigger on the inside? I have to say it. Um, Sometimes it feels that way, especially when you're trying to drink the coffee so quickly that it stays warm by the end of the coffee. <laughs> and like, this is roughly a pint. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So when when you're sitting there and it, it's good in the mornings, right? Because by the time you finish your coffee, you could you know run a marathon when you should be doing housework <laughs> or something. And uh, yeah, it's not so good in the evenings when you, I'll just make a quick coffee before bed. And it's about three in the morning going, now, why am I still awake? I just had a pint of coffee. That would be why. <laughs> So you've, you've had a, a trucker's, you've got a trucker's mug shaped like a TARDIS, which I absolutely love it. 100%. And it even comes with its own little lid. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, with the, oh sorry. Uh, you just got to look this up. Sean, get a picture of that on, stick it on Twitter and then tag me and then I'll, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get, that's just amazing. So, done uh, and done it. One more trivia f- for you then, Sean. So the 11th Doctor, who was? Matt Smith. Matt Smith um, was an old university buddy of mine. No so, way! Yeah, so um, Matt Smith, he um, went to the University of Stanley with me, so 2001 to 2004. Um, he did creative writing, and I was doing environmental science, so he always, and my, my dorm, there was me and two other environmental scientists, and the, almost the rest of them were in the creative writing, and I would always have dorm parties, and Matt was always there because they were, he was part of that clique. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one story I always like to tell people is how, because I used to work behind the bar, is how he would like a, a drink. He was a bit of a lad, of Matt, and how he would um, come into the bar, let's just say pre-prepared for the night. Ah, yes. Yeah, but he, he's, he, he was a good lad. Um, I played a couple of games of football with him, but he, he didn't do too much because he had a, like a terrible injury. And apparently he, he would have been a very good football player, and perhaps even professionally, if it wasn't for a certain injury. So he decided mm. to turn to acting instead, and he seemed to have done all right with that. Yeah, I think that's worked out okay. For Actually, funny enough, I do remember hearing that story because there's uh, there's at least one episode of Who where he plays football and he's like, that's the right, doctor yeah. suddenly ridiculously good at football. Uh, and yes, I remember hearing that story. Now, actually, funny enough, today, as we record this, an awful lot of uh, new images have come out for the new House of the Dragon series. Yes. So we've seen him all done up in costume and I'm 
I am quite excited for that series. Yeah, I must say. Yeah, and Matt, I don't know if you're listening. I mean, I know, I know the last text you sent to me ages and ages ago was not a very pretty one when I told you that Tennant was my favourite Doctor. Um, but uh, <laughs> all in jest, of course. But if you're listening, Matt, I hope you're doing okay. Um, it's good to see you with all your success and come on a podcast if you're free. Um, not that you have time for a, an old buddy from university, but hey, you never know. You know, you have a Wikipedia entry, Matt. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there we go. So we've got our our, our Hoovian mug, which I absolutely um, love. So I'm going to have to look into that myself. Um, but you yourself, you are the second person that we have on the podcast and in a row, actually, who's from the beautiful Emerald Island. Because um, last week I uh, spoke to um, a wonderful friend of mine, geography teacher, Alistair Hamill, who's on the um, in Northern Ireland. So north of you but you're on the southern side so you're in the republic of ireland um I and am you, indeed. you're a dubliner i believe but you've I'm moved a... south is that right or have i got that the other way around no that's 100 percent correct yep i was in dublin for about 30 years of my life and then last year so I, i'm a year living in a place called wexford now uh which is I, I like to describe if you can imagine ireland as a teddy bear that's sitting down oh yeah uh, okay I will not be thanked for this, but for from Wexford County Council. But if you imagine <laughs> Ireland as a sitting down teddy bear, we're its bum. <laughs> I was going for the belly button of a hummingbird. If if the Isle of Man was the hummingbird's beak, right, and the western coast of Ireland was its wings and its and its tail, right, I was going that Wexford was the, the hummingbird's belly button if it had one, but <laughs> but you're going for a teddy bear's backside, uh, which is. Yeah. This is why I think you're going to get hired by Wexford County Council sooner than I'm going to get hired, okay? I think for the Irish Tourism Board, I think you have a future. Well, hummingbirds don't have belly buttons, so maybe they won't, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, right? People vote now. Okay, that's going on a Twitter poll. Should we describe Wexford as a teddy bear's backside or a hummingbird's belly button? Neither, which is, um, yeah, their, their, their flights are fancy. Um, but geographers, geographers, you might recognize the area, of course, is that um, not too far away from you. And I don't think you might have spent some time there, perhaps. You... And please connect, uh, correct my pronunciation, you've got it wrong. But is that Ballytij Burrow? Is that how you pronounce it? Burrow? So it's on the coast and it's a beautiful um, beach. It's actually a spit. And it's the river. What is it? Oh, I can't remember what name the river is, but it comes out of Duncormick. Duncorm- oh. I wonder, would it be the Slaney River? The Slaney is the main river of Wexford. Oh. Um, Slaney. Uh. It might be too far west of Wexford. I'm not sure. But down on the south coast, you've got this lovely, lovely um, geographical feature called Ballytige Borough. And it's a spit because it's grown westwards and it's almost covered the entire um, inland sea there to make a lagoon. Uh, but the river has cut it off, so it's like um, it sounds like it's going to be a lovely place to visit. So you've not been there, Lacken Bay Beach. I don't know if that rings a bell. Kilmore, Ki- Kilmore Key. Oh, Kilmore Key. Kilmore Key is ten kilometres outside my apartment. Oh, well, there you go. And if you were to walk west along the beach, that's that. That's apparently that long spit is called Ballytige Burrow. And it that's actually right. another black mark against my name by Wexford <laughs> County Council. Um, but uh, okay, so it's that close, right? Oh, oh! I, I think I'm slightly embarrassed by not knowing that. I have only been no. here for a while. A year. I've been here a year. No. Like, I have no excuse. No, it's... You know what? I mean, how? come on, listeners. How many of you have, you know, known an area that you've 
you know, intimately just within a single year. I mean, we can talk about what we've all been doing because of COVID and whatnot, you know, that I've now been living in this part of South Norfolk for, well, you know, the oldest is now eight, coming up to eight. So almost eight years. And there are parts around here that I still don't know very much about. So, gotcha. and I'm meant to be an ex-geography teacher who likes to walk around and do that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, we are such a small speck of, you know, of an entity within even our own locale that it's so easy to miss certain things and not know every single crumb of, you know, unless your last episode, Alistair Hamill, who can name every column at the Giants Causeway. But that's, again, people should listen to that. <laughs> what? What? Is that possible? That's impressive. <laughs> he is pretty obsessed with the Giants Causeway. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, I can. It, it is a beautiful area. It is a place I have been to twice, actually. And I say that like that's an achievement. But anyway, yes, well done <laughs> me. Uh, but it is beautiful. I I would struggle to name every column. Um, I mean, like, there's the Giants and there's the Causeway. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm going to be seeing Alistair in a in a week's time, actually, at a geography conference, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to give me some names. We'll name one Excellent. Sean. If he's if he's not done the uh, you know the hundred thousandth one yet, we'll, we'll name it Sean. Let's let's go for that. Sean Carrick. Yay! And then he'll take me to it and say that one you're sitting on, you know, you know, with your teddy bear's backside. <laughs> sure. This is quite literally everything I've always wanted. <laughs> oh right, come on, Kit, get back on. So I'm having so much fun. This is just so much for people. <laughs> right, back onto it. Um, Dublin. So you spent most of your time in Dublin. I, I visited Dublin once um, and did the whole classic um, Temple Bar thing as well, like that. Oh, we course, actually yeah. spent New New Year's um, New Year's in Temple's Bar. My my partner, my my dear wife, bless her, had a. Um, <laughs> you would not believe this. You know the song um, uh, "Lament for Spilt Porter," which is like a classic Irish jig. My wife actually sure. had pour a spill on her dress on New Year's no. Um, this beautiful red dress but oh, everybody no. was so lovely that the person who spilt it bought her a drink and she never had to pay for a drink for the rest of that evening okay well that, I, I got to say then okay that is that is a beautiful outcome from an oh no moment <laughs> um, I because I I, I I will say that we do have a reputation for being we're, we're we're nice in a crisis not always good in a crisis but we're nice in a crisis and I think that's that maybe fits that um but uh yeah good in a crisis is we do tend to panic but we'll panic by <laughs> here have another drink sure you'll have 10 more you will you'll be grand so how does dublin speak to, speak to you i mean you you've just given a little insight there um but from from like mr ferrick like are you a dubliner through and through if you are what does that mean how would you describe being a dubliner to, to somebody not in the know so that's actually a really interesting question because I was I was very, very small. I was maybe four when we moved to Dublin originally. And as I say, I was there till last year. Uh, I am no longer four. Um, <laughs> and I grew up nearly even amounts of time in two very different areas of Dublin because there are parts of Dublin that have better reputations than others for very different reasons. So initially... I would have grown up in an area that would have a, a very middle class, um, not so much affluent, but very, you know, kind of, you know, ah, those guys are okay kind of area. And then when I was a teenager, I moved to an area that had a reputation for not being that. And it was funny. I didn't realize how much I had bought into the first 
viewpoint that I was like, oh my god, I'm going to die moving to this new area. And I was like, oh, hang on. First of all, all reputations are nonsense. And, you know, second of all, like, I mean, the, the slight difference is maybe people have a slight different accent. Um, but Dublin is quite funny because there is, in such a relatively small land area, so many different versions of accents. Um, there's the much stronger, you would, you might call it an inner city accent, um, even though it ups, it's, of course, it's not relegated to one area. And then you would have the South Dublin accent, which is quite often ridiculed, which is, it's unfortunate, but it has quite a strong, um, you, you know, you, you would know it when you hear it, that, that, that kind of an accent. Um, and... And yet, in a t- like, so it is. It's probably one of the most built-up cities in the country, uh, with you know places like Limerick and Cork following, and of course Belfast as well. Uh, when you go up to the Northern Ireland, and yet there's still so much green, and there's actually so many beautiful places to visit in all parts of the county. If you go north, you have beautiful areas like Scaries. You've got, um, but then you're going into uh, Louth after that. But if you come back down a little bit, you know, even near the airport, which is an industrial area, you've got beautiful green areas around. And you're kind of going like, hang on, this is still double. Am I still here? Like, this, this is very different from where I was living a few minutes ago. And then, you know, you have beautiful, there's a, there's actually a very uh, a famous park in Dublin, Marley Park, which became... Uh, certainly pre-COVID and touch wood will be again uh, a great concert venue because you have these massive open areas and it's so funny because I keep saying when you think of Dublin you think city and you might think you know quite industrialized you think you know James's Gate you think Guinness right yes Uh, yes (laughs) funny story so my route to work I used to live um, about 10 or 11k from work so i would cycle because it wasn't that bad it was much faster than getting a bus and it used to take me past james's gate every morning and i swear i got drunk off the smell (laughs) of the processing guinness every morning so i would be half cut getting to work every day you're like how are you getting on you well james so because yeah i was just looking at the map here and you've got yeah there's the guinness storehouse there and then you've got St James's, yeah, St James's Park, Park Phoenix Park, which is where Dublin mm. Zoo is, um, which is huge. Um, it is, I believe, the largest uh, park in I want to say the world, but I might settle for Europe. Mm. Um, it cool. is quite large. It's big. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, that folks get get on that. You'll know that. Um, but it's really interesting to talk about uh, the. The the difference within I mean I've I've got a London background myself I've I'm from well I'm from Harlow and Essex which is just outside of London but my dad is Cockney from the East End of London and there is so much difference between different areas and different boroughs of London even there so like from from you know Newham and Mile End and Bethnal Green in the East and it just it's a completely different different world and for folks who know British culture very very well we had like comedies like Only Fools and Horses yeah which really did play on the whole, you know, South London kind of stereotype uh, in Peckham, like with the haves and the have-nots like Boise and Marlene compared to Derek and and, uh, and Rodney. Um, so, so yeah, so you, you kind of think of like London typically, but, but with Dublin, of course, us outsiders, we think, oh, it's the city of Dublin, everyone's going to be it's quite the same. But no, it's going to have as much vibrancy, as much 
diversity as any other city in the world, really. And I think we people tend to forget that. I think so as well. And then I think as well, because in Dublin, you don't have, of course, all the universities, but you have two massive universities in that you have UCD, where I went, yep. which is why I said the name first, because you also have <laughs> Trinity College, which is a fantastic college as well. Now, Trinity is right in the center of Dublin City, right. and it's yeah. a massive tourist location as well. You also have places like Dublin City University, DIT, which means you have a huge amount of multiculturalism in Dublin, which I think sometimes tends to be forgotten, even by ourselves, walking around Dublin mm. city centre. You you might be like, oh yeah, hang on, we are a massively multicultural city. Um, and yet even still, you still have this impression of, you know, everyone looks the same, sounds the same, talks the same, drinks the same. Right. You know? Um, and <laughs> some stereotypes are true, some aren't. That's that's okay. Um, but it's it's quite fantastic. And it's funny in that I'm... So I'm 34 now. So 2006, I legally started going out into town and kind of seeing the world. And very rapidly from about, and I, I kind of remember from about 2006 until about 2011, I remember seeing this massive change in who I saw in Dublin City. There seemed to be waves of just new faces, of new, um, you know, I suppose, for want of a better word, new cultures mixing with you know, oh. your, I call it your your standard Irish. Obviously, I've just said there is no standard Irish, but let's just call it for sake of standard Irish. And it was a bit fantastic. And yeah, because this, I want to be careful how it phrases. In Ireland in the 90s, we didn't have an awful lot of multiculturalism. Um, we didn't have a lot of variety when it came to who we saw from day to day and then quite suddenly it was like oh my god the world has opened up to us this is fantastic Ooh. come in my friends come in let's have a chat inevitably followed by let's have a drink <laughs> i just i'm thinking because there was a sudden increase in membership to the european union around about that time i think i was just just double checking my facts i think like poland became a member of the european union in mm. 2004 and i remember that being quite big news and I think Romania followed a few years later. So those dates seem to match up quite a fair bit with the kind of like relative rapid expansion east of the European Union. Um, something I still, I still, I still identify as European, one hundred percent. Absolutely, that, that yeah. will never, that will never ever be taken away from me. Okay, soapbox away before I get on it. Um, <laughs> so, so, and I just, I just feel that, yeah. One thing that the Republic of Ireland is going to continue to benefit from is going to be kind of that 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 freedom of movement and that cultural melting pot. And one thing that I've, um, I when I love following you on Twitter and listening to you talk and things like that is how, whenever you talk and you create content, you do talk and take pride in multiculturalism and plur, you know, pluracy and um, diversity, and that's that's something that. It's definitely attracted me to you as as a character, as someone who is like you're a massive trans ally, and I can only thank you for that. You know so so much. Um, thank you so much. No, I, I just want to say it takes no effort to be an ally. Uh, it really, really doesn't. And if there's anything I can do ever to help, I want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's it's that's to me. It's I know it just seems simple. Like yeah. just do the right thing, and everyone don't be bad. Yeah, and it's. Bring it to Star Trek. It's it's idic, isn't it? Infinite diversity and infinite com combinations. And so, 
do you feel therefore some to circle this loop then is dub does dublin feel like it 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 can embrace that is it on the is it on the verge of kind of like this idic feel to it i mean i know there's always going to be tensions there's always going to be clashes there's always going to be conflicts but i feel that you know ireland and dublin is is kind of maybe further ahead because they're still in the european union and they're still embracing this multiculturalism but what do you feel about that i think um i think yes i have a lot of optimism for what dublin and ireland in general have done in terms of opening you know, certain, I say opening borders, but I suppose, yes, I do mean opening borders, but also there's been a lot of just openness in how difference has been accepted. Historically, uh, we wouldn't have a great reputation for being uh, accepting of differences uh, for various reasons, but certainly over the last 30 years in particular, uh, there has been this massive change in Ireland. Um, I uh, very happily identify as a member of the Alphabet Mafia, as I like to call it, the LGBTQIA plus <laughs> community. And I have never felt uncomfortable walking down the road holding a partner's hand. Um, now, that's not to say that things you know, things don't happen or that there isn't, you know, there isn't discrimination, there isn't um, negative reactions out there. There will always be. Um you know, would that there wasn't, but there will always be. Mm. But I felt comfortable walking through Dublin city centre, you know, being my authentic self. And, but I do, I I respect at the same time that I am a cisgender white male. Mm. So my experience will be different from other experience. And I do respect that as well. So that's where you look to, the just the wonderful embracing that has been done by the, the Irish community for particularly and the, not to exclude the older generation, but of course it is generally it's the younger generation that gets change happening. Um, you know, we were the first country in the world to legalize gay marriage via referendum, yes. which is amazing, you know, um, and something that I want to, you know, shout from the rooftops as well we have thankfully we have a very progressive uh, government when it comes to trans rights yes, in ireland right. which i'm yeah. delighted about now i believe it takes about nine years and your firstborn soul to get an appointment yeah <laughs> uh, but i think that's because unfortunately we don't have a lot of resources here mm. when it comes to uh, particularly trans healthcare. It's not to say that the people who are engaged in trans healthcare aren't doing a really, really good job. It's just unfortunately, I think there could be an awful lot more. Yeah, yeah. This is um, same. It's very much the same here. I mean, we, there's a lot being held back over over on this side of the Irish Sea. But um, after folks, I mean, this is the first time I'm saying it on the podcast. I guess I've said it publicly otherwise. But after about 800 days, I finally had my first gender identity consultation, Yay. which is amazing. I'm so um, happy. It's incredible feeling, really, and I just and you're right. I mean, I've I've got it, it, all this kind of stuff gives you privilege checks. Um, you know, it's 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 amazing how you know identifying, you know, realizing my identity as a trans person like was a privilege check in its in, in itself because you know I'm not a trans person of color. I I am someone who has got resources. I am quite fin- financially you know secure and stable. I have a loving family. And I've got so much privilege in that respect. Um, And I know that um, there are a lot of people out there who are 
you know, are quite really suffering and finding things a lot challenging and do not find the process of, say, for example, a gender identity clinic or consultations very pleasant. You know, the questions were very personal, shall we say. And for personal for me, who's got the privilege to take that could be very intrusive to someone else. So uh, maybe even traumatizing. So, um, yeah, folks, we obviously we won't, we won't go into too much detail on this but uh, we are recording this on uh, trans day of visibility so you know i think it was i think we were worth you know it was our prerogative to spend you know five or so minutes but i'm going to come back to you though sean <laughs> because you mentioned about being a part of the wonderful uh, lgbtq alphabet suit and you have been invited you've got uh, you're not going to let keep this quiet you have been invited to be like was it the official spokesman of gays in space at star trek las vegas is that right or correct me so, so I am a guest of a, a guest, a, a, of. an official guest, guest of. So right. I, am, I am incredibly fortunate. I'm putting that... you on a pedestal, <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you. Oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting comfortably on this pedestal. Somebody bring me grapes. No, uh, no, thank you so much. Uh, I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, uh, the the group gaze in space spelled gaze, gaze. in space. <laughs> Uh, they reached out to me um, and they invited me to be a part of their attendance at Star Trek Las Vegas in 2022. I am shocked and so surprised and so, so grateful. Um, and to the point where I, I, I'm just going to go around just shaking everyone's <laughs> hand. So everyone who is going to attend Star Trek Las Vegas, please prepare for a handshake from me. Uh, consensually of course yes uh, <laughs> but uh, yes I'll, I'll, I'll bring the hand sanitizer with me um and it all it all literally it, it happens so quickly that's why i'm actually kind of a little mm. bit shell-shocked by it um but yes uh, uh i uh, specifically i must mention the wonderful dan Devi, who he reached out to me and uh he got in touch and has just been a fantastic point of contact and yeah i am i am now going to be in las vegas and which is amazing. The last thing I saw in Las Vegas was Army of the Dead. So <laughs> it's going to be, I presume, quite different. I imagine so. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so, so envious. So as, as we were talking before we started recording, so I have been to Las Vegas, not, not for a Star Trek convention. I haven't been to any, would you believe, I haven't been to any Star Trek convention yet, despite my avid devotion to the franchise and everything. Um, but I know that, um, yeah, I know you're going to have an amazing time and I will make it out of it one day. And uh it's just gonna be so fantastic and um hopefully you'll get to do some other sightseeing things as well so uh i don't know maybe go visit the grand canyon or something on, on a helicopter ride and, and i'm gonna keep that story to myself that's <laughs> okay if i do go i promise the first selfie will be sent directly to yourself and i'm, I'm going to photoshop <laughs> you into the selfie just so you know yeah so yeah so you will yeah uh but if i certainly if i can i will because i mean how often am i going to get out to 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 anywhere like that and there's just so much to do and to see um so yes if i can most certainly i will uh, if i'm not too busy shaking everybody's hand <laughs> not to be shaking them down. well and you're gonna have such a blast you know it's it's gonna be amazing hi folks a chance for you to recharge your brew but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast simply liking sharing rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar also there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit please do check them out right we're going to bring some geography into because we 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 will never get through this 
chat without talking about Star Trek because we both love it. Um, so I'm going to try and bring some geography into it, right? Now, okay, so this is going to be, a f- well, it's going to be a very, very strange way of doing what we call jog on, which is random topics um, that you need to talk about. But I'm going to slightly tweak it, right? And okay. that is in this way. So get this, everybody. If you think, you know, if you've, if you've listened to me and Sean so far, brilliant well done fantastic you're going to be rewarded with the geography now right believe it or not on star trek's official wiki uh, which is memory alpha there are 119 geography related articles 119 so if you go to category geography 119 and believe it or not when you click on there's a there's a special link that says unwritten articles so everything in that category which could be geography that's not yet been written 299 unwritten articles sean of geog- geographical articles Okay, you need to get writing. Right. Okay. Well, I'll be okay writing the entries for Epicenter, North Policies, and maybe Refinery. I might need a little bit of help on Altar of Truth, um, the Q Continuum Galaxy, and Nudist Colony. So, I mean, I'll give it a bash. But, uh... <laughs> but folks, yes, there is an article waiting to be written on the Star Trek wiki under geography for Nudist Colony. I'll let you decide where that's come from can i'm trying to think what that what the link is i mean i would assume it has to be riser oh it must well that's my that was my first thought yeah because of course the uh, page doesn't exist so when i click on it it just says um obviously not yet written so or is it where uh and again just just pulling just directly from the target <laughs> here is it where all ferengi females are sent to bathe because <laughs> cl- wearing clothing is well it's not it's not illegal is it it's just like morally apprehensible isn't it i I I think that's it yeah depending on how grand nagus ram got on with his changes um (laughs) i think yeah so it could be one or the other i i I, i'm getting a very risian feel i think it's riser yeah basically it's a pleasure planet everybody basically it's it's a long story short (laughs) so what i've done sean is that um now geography teachers well any teachers listening will recognize this kind of thing is we we have a spinning wheel of names. So if you want to pick a kid out randomly to answer a question or do something, we can put their names into this spinning wheel, right? And it will generate their names, right? So what I've done, I've put all 119 geography articles into this wheel, (laughs) and we're going to spin it. Okay, there's there's sort of a sound effect there. And it's going to come up with the Northern Foothills. Right. So we need to... The Northern Foothills. So what I'm going to do, I'm now going to go to um, the Northern Foothills page on this wiki and find out what it is, and we're going to have a quick chat about it. So, folks, this is proof that... So, okay, here we go. The Northern Foothills were a group of small hills located in the north of the um, Signai Expanse on a desert planet known as the the Totham Homeworld. So this is from Ent Desert Crossing. Okay, (laughs) right. Enterprise. So Desert Crossing. So what do I remember... I remember that episode starred Clancy Brown, um, yes. because he has got just the greatest voice. Um, uh, with all respect to all Lex Luthers out there, he is my <laughs> Lex Luthor. Okay. Um, I remember that because I think that one introduced the well, the camo uniform. Now, as 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 anyone who's been near my Twitter knows, I have like a diagnosed issue when it comes to the uniforms in Star Trek. I will have them all. Yes, you I do. Will. And CBS know this, Sean. They're, they're, they're on to you. 
like over the last couple of days they've been releasing more trailers for Stranger Worlds and in every trailer there's a new uniform it's fine I'm over it I'm over it I'm over it um, so Desert Girls do not have the camo mm. oh no you got to get that because that's quite clever yeah so I'm just thinking of uh, Captain Archer and, and Trip you know being completely yeah burnt in into those uniforms that's great mm-hmm. yeah so a type of cactus which grew in the northern foothills of the region of the planet was used as the primary ingredient for a wine called Yalasat <clears throat> so folks now, of course, where's the real geographical? That is actually true, isn't it? Because we do use natural things such as that to make um, cocktails, to make drinks, to make um, <clears throat> thinking of, you know, in the Amazon rainforest, to use pigments for and things like that. So I love how they're using the real life kind of geography in this kind of sense. So I have a question because I do not know the answer to this. Is, Go on, then. Do we know what is the real or the, the earth equivalent of these northern foothills what I, I where was this filmed because it does look different from the usual you know back lot of paramount that is a fantastic question so was it filmed on location somewhere so that is a great so usually everybody on the one one, one thing that's great about these these fan wikis is that they do usually have background information and they actually tell you that they oh here we go so the desert exterior scenes of the Tarothan planet were filmed at the Imperial Dunes in southeastern California near the borders with Arizona and the Mexican state of Baja California I like that so because it's you can tell sometimes when it's being filmed on location and when it's being very clearly filmed with paper mache (laughs) right Um, and there's obviously there's a whole myriad of reasons for that but yes it's I've, I've, I've always thought you can always tell it's like oh I can see scope in this and there was right. definitely like they, they were allowed to pan with the camera as opposed to fixedly only getting Scott Bakula standing on this one square <laughs> of sand nice right so the next one I've got <clears throat> so this is really testing is the the Janitsa Mountains or the Janitsa Mountains now, does that ring a bell, or should let me just have a look at that one? Where would have they have been? So, everybody, I'm going to go down now. So, this makes for great podcasting, isn't it? A kit like searching for it and yeah. clicking on things. This is where you have the elevator music, really, isn't it? <laughs> oh, they're on Bajor. Okay. Okay. The Janitsu right. Mountains are a mountain range on Bajor that, until the early 2370s, had only ever been surveyed from orbit. Um, actually, it's worth reading on here because it gives people to think about wildernesses here on Earth. So, um, mm-hmm. sounded like we're not on Earth. <laughs> uh, so, in, <laughs> t- in 2371, a science team was sent up the mountains for a six month agrobiology expedition. Keiko O'Brien was the chief botanist on this expedition. Oh, really? I know. I, I think. <laughs> is this the location of the fire caves? <gasps> is it the location of the fire caves? Does it. I don't. You know what? That's a good question. It doesn't mention the fire caves on this. But it's it's obviously DS9, uh, the DS9 um, episode Fascination. Oh yes, Fascination, Fascination, which is re- yes, which I remember for being Majel Barrett's uh, Majel Barrett, sorry, um, second I think appearance on DS9, and everyone got slightly um, amorous uh, when she arrived. Oh, is that the one where she was having some kind of there was she was projecting? Exactly. Making every because yeah, being Beta Z and and, empath- and that she was she was feeling pretty amorous and that was being projected onto everybody around. Yeah. Okay. 
That was quite yeah. a fun episode. <laughs> it really was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, now I have to say, no, I don't. I don't remember that. But because I, what I do remember about that is how they always had to come up with these reasons to get Keiko, or you know, to make sure Miles was on his own for about <laughs> half the season. Because of course they would only have Rosalind Chow for yeah. maybe one or two episodes a season, and then she's gone off on another six months. And I remember catching myself going like. So Miles is working every hour of the day because the station always keeps breaking. Keiko is doing a six-month trip, you know, on Bajor. Who's looking after Molly? Right. Seriously. Is, is, is Molly all right? Like, you know? <laughs> I can't remember how old Molly was during that episode. Which, I mean, was she a little toddler? Was she talking by that point? Was she a little baby? Um, She would have been... Because, what, she was born... It's possibly sad that I know this. But she was born <laughs> in season five of The Next Gen. She was born in disaster. That's right, yeah. So fascination delivered by Wolf. Uh, delivered by Wolf. Spoiler. Oh, such a great gag about that as well. Later on in DS9, you know, Keiko's gonna have a baby now. now. <laughs> I think I think she was only three. She was only a little baby in that one. There you go. Um, yeah. Right. Why do I know that? <laughs> this is great. So mixing geography and Star Trek, brilliant. So we've got some mountains on Bejo. We've got a, a, a desert planet, which was filmed in some California. So let's go North Pole. All right. Well, generic. North. Well, that's actually. I tell you what. That is nice, Jerry, because you could get any number of planets for that one. For example, the time Rega Danar hid his ship in the North Pole. <sighs> right. Um, uh, the Haunted season three of the Next Generation. Um, yes, and he managed to escape the sensors of the vastly superior Galaxy class ship by just hiding behind the pole. Uh, which right, does seem yeah. like a massive design flaw. <laughs> Seriously. It's got here... Oh, North Pole of Mars is mentioned. It says that the North Pole of Mars was covered by an ice cap. And by 2154, it was the frequent target of comets as part of a terraforming effort. And that was in Enterra Prime. Um, yes. So the yeah. real end of Enterprise. Just throwing that out there. Yes, everybody. That's, that's the mechanical end because we never actually saw the actual characters on screen after Terra Prime because they were holograms. So, yep, yeah. absolutely correct. Um, also, actually, keeping with the Enterprise theme, North Pole, I believe regeneration takes place up in the Arctic. I think so. You're right. Yeah, so regeneration is when the, the um, some Borg from uh, Star Trek First Contact um, got buried in somehow and then they got revived a little bit later oh it's all wibbly wobbly Tommy Wimey there go through yeah. the Doctor Who reference for you <laughs> so okay yeah the North Pole so of course <clears throat> it's something that's that's quite actively studied quite a fair bit with geography um, we've got should a common debate in classrooms is should the Arctic have something similar to the Antarctic Treaty for example so the Antarctic Treaty which which um, is um, an agreement between all party states that says it's for scientific purposes, peaceful purposes, no military activities. All claims to Antarctica are both uh, discounted and set aside. Um, should we have something similar for the Arctic? You know, as the ice melts, especially, and all the resources become available, could be a source of future conflict. So, that is actually, I'm actually sorry to say that I didn't know there wasn't such a, an agreement. There I is. suppose it makes sense now to think about it, but. Um, oh, that is disappointing that there isn't. I think um, it's going to be hard to put one together now with the scrap for resources, um, especially. Right. Okay, so oh, this is really interesting. Another one I have no way of pronouncing. The 
Endwadu Mountain Range. Endwadu, I, I probably pronounced that completely wrong. So it's this random generator has picked up what two mountain ranges now. It's uh, definitely a theme. Endwadu Mountain Range. Uh, okay, this was not very much information on this, um, but it was it's in Discovery, um, the war without the war within, and it is a mountain range which was on the Vader system moon Delta Two. That's what it says. And, not uh, gonna lie, don't remember that one. But you know who would know this one? Um, folks, if you really love Star Trek lore and stuff like that, I, I can't remember, he's like, it's like, it's Hogland or something like that. It's like, your gay Hogland. Yes, oh my god, he is <coughs> he would know incredible. This. Like, he yeah. puts my Easter eggs to shame. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Yeah, so this guy, right, what he does, he he's forensic. Forensic. So he, if you think Sean and I are like, complete sci-fi and Star Trek geeks. You've seen nothing on on on, on Jawbreak because he will get screenshots of an episode and he'll manage, he'll try his best to like digitally enhance them as much as he can and he'll, so he can read what's on the screen and then he'll make references to like lore and canon all the way back to other things. And then what he'll also do is that he'll get um, screenshots from two different episodes which could be quite close to each other or they could be series away from each other and go oh you see that panel there that panel that was used in this episode was used 60 years ago in this episode <laughs> yeah. I, I, I follow I have relied on some of his resources for we've done um, videos on reused props which right. sounds I, I, I understand I understand how boring that sounds but it's actually <laughs> really interesting when you see how creative um, you can get with particularly reused locations as well. Yeah. You know, how do you make the uh, Vasquez rocks look like you're on a completely different planet? Vasquez rocks, yeah. So, how many times has. So, Vasquez rocks, how many times has that location been used for Star Trek episodes? Obviously, because the most famous use was in the original series when mm-hmm. Kirk fought the Gorn. Yeah. It, yep. it was used in Picard because Raffi had her shack out in Vasquez Rocks and it actually was in Vasquez Rocks because it came up Vasquez Rocks Rocks. yep so where else has Vasquez Rocks been used it's been used uh, I think twice at least twice to be Vulcan it was used in Star Trek 4 right um, where you have the you know it's supposed to be this epic shot of a massive mountain range now that I've seen the size of Vasquez Rocks (laughs) that is really well done it's all about perspective yeah yeah well, you have Leonard Nimoy as obviously Spock standing on top of it. And then again in Star Trek 2009, uh, you have Vasquez rocks, uh, which are shown as just part of the lands. But of course, in they are enormous, as everything in Star Trek 2009 is. I, 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 I knew that we were going to be mentioning Vasquez rocks at some point, because it's a perfect example of a geographical location that's been used for filming so if you don't know where um vasquez rocks is everybody it's in the uh los angeles area of california so uh i can't remember exactly it's north of los angeles i believe i think it's north yeah but yeah so it's 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 up there in in the uh sierra Palona kind of area so yeah um worth a visit worth a visit right so the last ones that's four i believe so now we're on our fifth one so spin the wheel one more time. Oh, this is going to be good. The Tenkaran Coast. So what is the Tenkaran Coast? So this is just amazing. I'm, I'm, this is brilliant. Star Trek and geography just all rolled into one. I love it. It was in the Delta Quadrant. Okay. Oh, oh okay. okay. 
Right, the Tenkaran Coast was a scenic geographical feature on a planet in the Delta Quadrant. It was among the vistas displayed on the Pinea Synaptic Stimulator, uh, and that was... Captain, yeah, so this was to do with Captain Ransom. Captain Ransom was fond of spending time on the Tenkaran Coast to escape from his situation aboard the USS Equinox, which was while well, Australian Delta Quadrant. So f- this was... A- was it a cortical thing which they stuck it's basically it was like a, a hollow a hollow deck for the brain wasn't it in a sense mm. yes yeah and he would escape into this vista it was i remember it now it was this beautiful coast crashing waves um with jutting out rocks and um seven would she turned up in his this it was and to which he went this doesn't make any sense this is only supposed to show vistas and they never properly explained that either <laughs> yeah um but it was it was this beautiful sunny idyllic you can completely understand how you could so immediately calm yourself by just standing in this location which was good when i don't want to give any spoilers but you would really want to be calm for some of the things that ransom was facing yes and i think um yeah if he he had two he was lucky wasn't he because he had two choices of how to go out shall we say Right, and that's a, 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 a walk in the spoiler line. There, he could either face it head on, or he could escape in the way that he did. So, I, 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 I think what was if the if the knight was here, say you have chosen wisely. You have chosen wisely, most definitely. The um, the saddest thing about that um, wiki entry, it doesn't say what real life location that was based on. So I'm gonna have to do a bit of digging up and see where that was. Well, that was loads of fun. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and Sean, uh, su- su- suggestion for for the next trek, you know, to ten locations, geographical locations that you may not. If you want me to help with that, I, am I love here. that <laughs> because I love that because because in all reality, obviously, it, it is it's kind of like doing a tourism guide for Star Trek. Um, obviously, like Vasquez it. Rocks will will have to feature on the list. There is no question, one hundred percent. But uh, yeah, I think. With uh, now, obviously, it's actually Star Trek. You can do a, a list of ten. Now, if we do Game of Thrones, we can just do a whole list of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely, one hundred percent. Right, um, we're going to finish off now. Um, one last thing we got to do, and that is to link you to our previous guests, Sean, and to link us to our future guests by doing. We are all geographers. It's it's easy. It's fine. It's all good. Right. So what it is is that each guest comes up with a word that the following guest can, well. What we say is it's linked to geography, but geography in the loosest sense. It's basically people's personal takes on it. So if it's a personal geography or a geographical term, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Now, last um, week, um, Alistair Hamill um, did just the simple word card, which was given to him by an ex-student of mine. She was just like looking at a desk. I can't think of a word. She just went stapler or card. So we went with card, <laughs> right? But Alistair... And I think this is really, really perfect for you, Sean, being, you know, the kind of person that I believe, at least that you are. And Alistair has given me the word empathy. So I think that's a lovely word for you to talk about for 30 seconds, the word empathy. And so you've got 30 seconds, Sean, to talk about the word empathy. And if you want to put a geographical kind of slant to it, maybe talk about your life experience, where you've lived. That's fine. Or you can just go whatever you like to say for empathy for 30 seconds. Entirely up to you. Um, okay, wow. Um, empathy. I try to live my life with the idea of look at your life through the eyes and experience of others, if you can. 
Um, I have moved from a city to a countryside, so that is a, already a completely different style of living that I've been used to doing. Um, it's a, you know, it's allowed me to embrace nature a little bit more because I'm so surrounded by nature more than I was. Um, and five, four, three, two, one. Um, oh no, I failed you. I failed you. You have not failed at all, Sean. You have not failed at all. Um, no, that's lovely. And yeah, so using your own experiences there, how that can bring about empathy and doing what we're doing right now, of course, having conversations. You know, that's a really great way of building empathy. And this is one of the things I've loved about this podcast. And I hope everybody listening has loved about the podcast as well. It's just having a chat and geeking out and having fun. It's a really great way of building connections and empathy. So um, you get to have your own back now, Sean. Now, actually, you're special because my next episode, everybody, if it all goes well, technical difficulties, all that kind of aside, and I get it out quick enough, I'm going to be recording it live on location. Well, not live, but on location at the Geographical Association Teachers Conference. So your word is going to be part of, I've got a plan for how I'm going to do all these words with the people there, right? But the the guest I'll have after that one will have to do your word, the one that you come up with. So it could be anything. It could even be soundproofing for you. <laughs> Just look at it. It could be anything you like, any word whatsoever that you'd like um, next guest to talk about, link to geography, however they wish to take it recharge nice recharge something that just recovering from covid i really do need to do myself uh, oh, oh sorry i hope you're okay i'm fine yeah this is a, this is a, a perfect way to kind of refire up the uh the nacelles <laughs> having nice. this chat i uh, see what i did there um so yeah recharge we'll have that one that's brilliant Okay, Sean, to finish off then, um, time for some shout-outs. I know you've already given a, given a couple of shout-outs, but if you've got anyone you'd like to say hi to, um, Trek Culture family or anyone else at all? Uh, yes, very much. Thank you to everyone at Trek Culture for helping me do what I do. Particularly, I want to say thank you to Chris Thompson, who doesn't sleep. He is our editor. Um, he is <sighs> one, one of a fantastic team of editors. But uh, I know as as we are recording this, he is hard at work on the ups and downs yes. for this week. Um, and... Uh, just yes I, I thank you everyone seriously thank you everyone who ever interacts or ever says hello because you know you can you can be a voice shouting out into a void until somebody responds to you so um yeah, seriously it's it's massively 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 appreciated and thanks to everyone who tolerates me <laughs> because yeah, oh sean I, oh don't give yourself enough credit well you as I say, it's no way, no way is it tolerating you. This has been an absolute pleasure. But uh, and I want people to to get in contact with you. So you have a, you definitely have a Twitter account. So you are Sean Ferrick at Sean Ferrick. I am. Yes, Twitter. Sean Ferrick. Twitter, Instagram, and I'm now plugging my TikTok because I never <gasps> do that. I've become one of the I younger know. crowd. Yes. I know. It's people. It's, it's it's coming for me, Sean. It's coming for me. I'm not yet on TikTok. People are saying there's, it. There's no escape. I don't think so. I think yeah. Uh, just just kind of have to just. <laughs> just, just go with it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I might have to hold my nose and take the plunge one day. And you also have a website um, as well, which is because it mentions your book. We did, we did get the time to talk about your books. So people get, you know, have a look at that. So you've got a website. So seanferrick.wordpress.com. 
Yes, SeanFerrick.wordpress.com. It has links to pretty much everything, everything I do. Everything you do, on podcasts, that. your books, yeah. yeah, and everything. And a very dapper picture of you wearing um, a Star Trek First Contact dress uniform. Or no, Insurrection dress uniform. And yes, Nemesis. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, we are, no, so nice, Eugene nice, Chifor. Nice. <laughs> Emphasis on the chi and the four. <laughs> okay, we'll and stop. I will have you know my collar size is exactly the same as it was in the academy. <laughs> I love it. See, insurrection, it's underrated. Um, and <laughs> I'm not even going to say the one with Beverly Crook. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, there, there we go. Well, thank you so much, Sean. And one thing is that the, I remember one of the first things I said to you ever on social media, when I got a really lovely um, response from you. Um, I think it was in like, I think it was in response to maybe the short trek with um, oh, the one with Zora dancing. And I said, I said, I'd love, I'd, I'd love, to, we were talking about dancing for some reason. And now we've got this commitment that when we meet up finally, whenever it will be, we're going to have a dance. Yes, absolutely. Uh, dance of your choice. I would like to recommend a tango, Ooh. but hey, dance of your <gasps> choice entirely. Uh, or we could do that kind of Ferengi dance that Nog does. In, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I have no idea what that's going to sound like in the podcast, but I hope that comes out okay. I'm not even going to describe it to everybody. We'll just leave it to your imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Ferrick, this has been an absolute delight. It's so good to connect with you, and I really hope we get to do this again in the future, hopefully in person. Yes, oh, please, God, yes. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.